Hey, Light Anglers. Today is April 14th. My name is Jack. I'm welcome to your daily episode of Light Angle. If this is your first time here, welcome. I'll be spending the next 5 to 15 minutes talking about some stuff going on in the world while introducing scripture in hopes of spreading the good news of our King of Kings, Jesus Christ, and using that knowledge to better deal with the negativity we find ourselves living in day to day. As always, your five-star review, liking, subscribing, and sharing of this show with others helps us to better spread the light angle and the Word of God. All right, let's get into it. So, I am deviating from the news right now, although I'd, I do highly encourage you uh, all to do a little bit of your own research and kind of see what is going on in China right now. I think, I well, I fear uh, a little bit that uh, it may be a precursor to, you know, what they plan on doing here. It's a little crazy, a little scary, and um, yeah, and not being reported very widely. Uh, so look at that. Also pray for the folks in uh, New York City. And with everything going on there, just pray for the city as a whole. Because I mean, goodness, everything about it is not good. So uh, anywho, it's, as I've mentioned the past three days, two days, it's Easter season, right? This is the uh, the final week leading to uh, Jesus's death and resurrection. And uh, something I always wondered um, and never really understood or knew was what happened, you know, every day leading up the week of uh, Jesus's crucifixion. And uh, I think it's important to know, you know, where his mind was, you know, what was he doing? What were his disciples doing? Uh, and obviously the Bible isn't the best at, you know, chronological order of things, um, or really, you know, a step-by-step -step process in anything. Um, but those leaders um, who have studied the Bible obviously know much more than I do. And so this is from crosswalk.com. And uh, um, I'll get to the guy, the author, but he does a lot of work on crosswalk.com. Uh, I think I've referenced him before. But uh, he had a reader, reader uh, write to him asking, what did Jesus do each day during his last week? And uh, so he responded to it. And uh, he basically goes on to say the following. Uh, the Gospels are not biographies. Each shares a few words about his birth, one sentence to describe him from ages 18 to 30, and then concentrates two-thirds of their content on three and a half years. The final third of every Gospel deals with one week in the life of Christ. And he's going to take us on a journey through the last week in Christ's life. So let's, let me get into this. I think it's kind of interesting. So on Palm Sunday, which I did talk about, but I'll just go over this again briefly. Uh, it was six days before the crucifixion. Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Um, it was prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your kings comes or you see your king comes to you righteous and victorious lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey both the old testament prophecy and jesus's fulfillment are chronicled in all four gospels uh, that evening jesus made his way back over the mount of olives to the villages of bethany and the home of his friends mary martha and lazarus Throughout his ministry, he often chose to stay with his closest friends. Their home was one of those. And each evening during his last week, Jesus slept at their home. Monday. In the morning, Jesus cursed the out-of-season fig tree for having no figs. So, just a segue here. This is one of my favorite 
stories in the Bible. And it's not for, you know, what most people think. It shows that Jesus had emotion. And I can't imagine what was going through his mind at this time, knowing what was to come. But uh, it shows that he was human. You know, uh, a lot of people, you know, think that the Son of God was all God. Well, he was also a man, 100% man. And with man comes emotions and anger, frustration, you know, all that stuff that we feel today. Um, and that's, that's a key I got out of this is, you know, Jesus was hungry. He woke up, he was hungry. He wanted something to eat and the tree didn't have any and he got mad. (laughs) There's, there's more depth to it, which I'll get into here. Um, so in the morning, Jesus cursed the out of season fig tree for having no figs. That seems fair. However, it was really symbolic in the old Testament figs represented the nation of Israel. Jesus was declaring that the nation of Israel had become spiritually bankrupt. Israel was dead out of season. In Matthew 21, 18 through 22, and Mark 11, 12 through 14. And this is Mark. It says, The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. Because it was not the season for figs, then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Then in the afternoon, Jesus entered Jerusalem and cleansed the temple. The temple courts had devolved into a marketplace for the buying and selling of animals to be sacrificed on the temple altar. There, money changers plied their cheating trade. What was once a sacred place had become a pigsty. Jesus was incensed. This is my father's house, and you have made it a den of thieves. Luke 19, 45-46 So on Tuesday... It was a busy day for Jesus. He spent all day in Jerusalem sparing, uh, or excuse me, sparring with religious leaders, teaching parables and healing the sick. He taught the parables of the Great Supper, the good and wicked servants, the ten virgins, the two sons, the owner of the vineyard, the wedding banquet, and the ten talents. These are, can be found in Matthew 21, 23-29, Mark 11, 20-12, uh, Luke 20 verse 1 through 21, and John 12, 20 through 50. Jesus also declared the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. He pronounced woes upon the scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, he said, you don't practice what you preach. You tie heavy loads upon the people's shoulders, but you are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. You travel over land and sea to make one proselyte. And when when he becomes one, you make him twice as fit for hell as you are. You hypocrites, snakes, brood of vipers, how can you escape being condemned to hell? Matthew 23, 13 through 39. But then Jesus commended the widow's might when the widow placed all she had left into the temple offering plate. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people give their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. When the Pharisees tried to trap him with an economic issue about Roman taxes, Jesus said, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. He also astounded the Jewish leaders with his wisdom that they never tried to entrap him again. Secretly to his disciples, Jesus once predicted his coming death and resurrection, but the disciples had no idea what he was talking about as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. He, went, he wept as he contemplated the coming destruction of the city. That's Matthew uh, 24. 
Jesus spent the rest of the evening teaching the Estological Olivet Discourse, which entailed the signs and wonders surrounding his second coming. This is the only place in scripture where Jesus himself shared his understanding of the end times. This is uh, coming from Luke 21, 25 through 28. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. On Wednesday, the highlight of the day occurred during the evening. Jesus was anointed by Mary in Bethany. Think about what a special moment this was for Jesus. In 36 hours, he would be on the cross. And the only person who figured out the crucifixion and coming resurrection was Mary. The disciples had no idea what was going on. Imagine the, understa and the understanding looks between Jesus and Mary as she washed his feet with perfume and worshipped. Suddenly, Ju Judas spoiled it all. What a waste, and she's spending it on you. Can you imagine how much that hurt? Jesus said, leave her alone. She has done a marvelous thing. She's anointing my body for burial while I am still alive and can enjoy it. Frankly, I would rather have one rose right now while I can enjoy it than 10,000 after I'm dead and gone. I imagine Jesus felt just like that. They did not bathe often in those days. I've often wondered if Jesus got a whiff of Mary's perfume as he hung on the cross. Then he looked down from the cross and there was Mary. He must have thought, God bless her. She's the only one who has figured it out. Later that night on Wednesday, immediately after supper, Judas arranged to betray Jesus. Matthew 26, 14 through 16 says, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Thursday, Jesus and his disciples observed, observed the Passover and the Lord's Supper in the upper room. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Luke tells us that immediately after sharing the bread and wine, the disciples began arguing over which of them was the greatest. Jesus was giving his life away, and they were arguing about who was the best. Can you imagine how much that hurt? Then Jesus predicted Peter's denial. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. But Jesus knew. He knew they would run. That evening, Jesus gave his farewell discourse to the disciples. All men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Jesus shared that he was going away. The disciples were quite dismayed. Philip said, you can't leave now. 
We don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. And besides, we don't even know who you are. Jesus said, Philip, you still don't know who I am? He's making the handoff to entrust his men with the ministry. They are on the one-yard line and they're about to fumble the football. They are not even sure who he is. He must be going to the cross, still wondering whether or not they'll get it. Finally, before leaving the upper room, Jesus prayed his intercessory prayer for his disciples in John 17. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Protect them by your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you gave me. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. Jesus took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. While he prayed in agony, begging God to avoid the cup of suffering, he asked them to pray for him. Because he was fully human as well as fully God, he actually needed their comfort and support. But they fell asleep and left him all alone. Can you imagine the disappointment in his voice as he replied, Could you not pray for me one hour? The disciples failed, so God sent angels to comfort Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus. Jesus said to Judas, Must you betray me with a kiss? John identified the kiss as a passionate lover's kiss. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going, on, going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with him. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Jesus was arrested and taken to the house of Annas, and then Caiaphas, the high priest, early Friday morning. Friday. Filled with deep remorse, Judas hanged himself. According to Jesus, Judas was predestined to betray him. No matter how we try to analyze predestination with free will, Judas could have returned to Jesus, repented, and asked for forgiveness. You know that Christ would have forgave him. Jesus died for him too. Jesus was arrested and taken to the home of Nias and Caiaphas for an illegal trial by the Jewish leaders who were making plans to have Jesus executed. The Jews dragged him to Pilate and then to Herod, where he was mocked, ridiculed, and crowned with thorns. Herod sent him back to Pilate. Neither ruler wanted to kill him, but the people shouted to release Barabbas instead of Jesus. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But the loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. While Jesus was being tossed around by, among Caiaphas, Pilate, and the king Herod, Peter denied his Lord three times. Jesus and Pilate talked about truth. Pilate then condemned Jesus to die, had him scorched, and sent him to the cross. Pilate washed his hands. Jesus was crucified. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus' last words from the cross were, 
Um, one, Matthew 27, 47, 46, tells us that about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Number two, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Luke 23, 34. I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 43. Number four is, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Luke 23, 46. Number five, dear woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. John 19, 26 through 27. Six, I am thirsty. John 19, 28. Number seven, it is finished. John 19, 30. That night, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for Jesus' body. He and Nicodemus wrapped the body with spices and linen per Jewish customs. They laid him in, a, in the tomb, guarded by Roman soldiers. On Saturday, Jesus was in the tomb. He preached to the spirits in prison. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly did not obey when God's patience waited. 2 Peter 3, 18-20 There is a lot of discussion about what Christ may or may not have done on Saturday. Some use this verse to postulate that Jesus preached the gospel to the Old Testament people who lived before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Therefore, they had the opportunity of surrendering their lives to Christ as Lord and Savior. Others teach that he went down into hell and experienced the horrors and suffering there. Maybe he just stayed in the tube. We just don't know for certain what he was doing on Saturday. On Sunday, this is the resurrection. And the angel said to the woman, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Mark 16, 5-6 Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying in the napkin, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, John, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and saw and believed. John 20, 3-8. What led John to believe? Jesus was prepared for burial with layer after layer of linen burial clothes encircling his body, with spices distributed within its folds. When Jesus rose from the dead, he simply transmutated through the grave clothes and the wrappings, which then fell down intact where his body used to be. Our salvation was completed in this holy week by our Savior's ultimate sacrifice. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. John fifteen thirteen. So Roger if I concludes the letter in saying, I hope you find this information useful in the last week of the life of Jesus. Uh, I do. I think it was actually really useful. Uh, it was nice for somebody to actually put it all together for someone simple-minded such as myself to better, or better explain uh, what it, it really took place, you know, Sunday through Sunday, through that period. Uh, it's, I think, you know, if you're like me, you can see yourself in a lot of those actions of the disciples. We like to, you know, be selfish. The only think of ourselves, you know, especially when they're asking, you know, each other, arguing with each other in front of the guy who was about to die for all mankind, which of them was the best, you know, my goodness, how far could they be? But anyway, as I promised, Dr. Roger Barrier, he's a retired senior teaching pastor from Cassis Church in Arizona. Uh, again, he's an author. He's mentored and taught thousands of pastors, missionaries, and Christian leaders. Uh, so this guy knows his stuff, you know. Obviously, I wouldn't be, you know, reading his articles from time to time. But uh, again, I thought it was interesting. I hope you did too. Uh, you know, and spend a minute or two or 50 
uh, you know, today and this week thinking about, you know, what actually took place. If you're a Christian, if you're listening to this, or even if you're not and you're just curious, understand that this person, Jesus Christ, actually lived. He was both man and God. And knowing what he went through, knowing that he feels what we feel every single day, same emotions, same stuff, it was no easier for him, although we like to think it would be because he is God, it's no easier for him to go through it than any one of us. And, I mean, how good of a God is that to, you know, bring himself down to our level, you know, not just to feel and understand, you know, our day-to-day life, but to also save us from it. It's pretty amazing. All right, y'all pray with me. King Jesus, thank you for setting the example of how to live, pray, and fulfill God's will. Thank you for giving access to the Almighty and for your sacrifice. I pray for those who don't know you, that they would see the world for what it is and find you to begin their walk with you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all, that's it for today's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a temptation, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Before we start, we'll